from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? CSG is back. Ross Hipster's glasses. Martin out on assignment. We sent him up to Minnesota to get some info on the rookie Chris Dunn, who hates Emmanuel Moutier's guts, apparently. But making his way all the way down here from Thornton, we got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? Um, I, you'll notice that we have a return to the uh, old theme music, like to what I've been using the last two weeks on the podcast. So I'm sure you all are thankful for that. And we have located Nate Timmons. So. My ransom was $1. Yes, it was. And... Uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, he is back with us safely. We scrounged and, uh, together the change to bring me back. We did. It was a grand total of, of $5, and I did not have it at the time. They took my thumbs, though. <laughs> was unwilling to pay. Was unwilling to borrow $5 to get Nate's thumbs. Yeah. Um, so the Denver Nuggets back in season. We'll talk some Nuggets. We'll talk some Nuggets injuries. We'll talk about... The drought, the fourth quarters, perhaps, and maybe how the rotation might be able to fix some of that, uh, as well as player rotations in general, with players out, players in, and of course, when players get healthy, it's going to be tough for old Michael Malone. He's already having a tough time with things. And of course, the schedule, the brutal nugget schedule, and then perhaps a little pop culture towards the end. Oh, pop culture. Popular. Popular culture. culture. That's that's what they call it. That's so, what they call it. Uh, before we get started, Nate. Yes. How are you? Good. Good? Very good, yeah. yeah. Anything well, new going on besides new. recovering from your captivity? Uh, new job, once yeah. again. Start another job. <laughs> so I'm always starting a new job, it seems. But hopefully this one will stick for a little while. Well, it's okay. At least you're employed. Yes, employed as usual. But, uh, you know, there's there's some some journalists out there that like to turn a nose up at us. But, you know, we do this shit part-time, and we I still know. do it fairly well, I'd say. Well, some would say we have more respect than full, other full-time journalists. Um, and others, not so much. Others, <laughs> not so much, yes. Others um, actually work hard at what uh, they do. Nate managed to uh, squeeze out a column on Denver Stiffs. Uh, uh, not Denver Stiffs. God dang, you don't write for Denver Stiffs anymore. On nope. uh, Colorado Sports Guys. Wouldn't dare write for that slave house. We're talking that. Ran by Adam Marez and his bullwhip. Killing his writers. Andy, <laughs> Andy, and I, Andy and I brought... Uh, Just kidding, Marez. I love him. Andy and I brought uh, Marez on, and he and I are basically retired <laughs> at this point, although we do occasionally still write. Let's say me and you brought Marez on. Feinstein had nothing to do with it. Oh, that's true. That's true. But Feinstein and I made him the Take man- that, Feinstein. That's true. Andy's just... Uh, Is Feinstein alive, by the way? Does anyone know? I, I, you know what? I, I didn't think he was, and then I briefly spoke to him. Like uh, yesterday? I texted him yesterday. I got nothing back. Haven't seen him write anything <laughs> on Denver Stiffs for months, it doesn't seem like. <laughs> we're gonna have to, I'm going to have to send up like a sig- bat signal to see if he's still alive. I thought maybe Jake killed him finally. Jake Feinstein. Yes. Family feud. Oh, speaking of which, we've got to mention uh, Jake Sports and Spirits. We are down at Jake Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street, enjoying uh, a nice sunshiny view today down here. Jeff's drinking a coffee. I've got an Arnold Palmer going. Mm. Probably enjoy some lunch later as these guys have some killer barbecue. Oh, the barbecue here is amazing. It is good. I, I Although Matt Moore would probably turn a nose up at it because, you know, he's fancy from yeah, he's, his time in Memphis and everywhere true. else he's lived. Well, that's whatever. He leaves to live in Kansas City, too. And they I don't think he actually ever lived in Memphis, did he? No, I don't think he did. Yeah. No, but he, uh, he, uh, 
lived in Kansas City. But he's got that, you know, barbecue snob attitude. So. Every time I think of Kansas City, I hear that football guy going, Kansas the City. Yes, that's what I think, <laughs> too, actually. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, uh, Jake's Oh, by the way, uh, when you come down here, ask for Jake Feinstein. <laughs> yeah. I have to. Did you? Uh, how about yourself? Did you guys have the stiffs night out for the for yes, the first did. game for the home opener, the uh, season opener? We did. We yes, we did. We had it at uh, Jake Sports and Spirits without so, Jake Feinstein. So you got yourself a T-shirt, so they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't I, sell out or no, well, no, we, we did. No, yeah, we didn't sell. Uh, we gave them all away, and it was a great night. There was probably about 150 people here. Damn. Sweet. Was, I mean, it was packed. This whole area we sit in right now is packed, and there's people lining up through the booths down there. They're sitting on the island table there, watching the big screen on there. So it was. Uh, it was friend uh, was Vicky here. Vicky was here. Yes. In her usual booth, she Very brought nice. some friends, and uh, she was good enough to donate some tickets. Very cool. Uh, in you know, as Russ would want to do. Did you guys do some other giveaways. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> T-shirts, tickets. Uh, we gave away uh, all the Denver Sips T-shirts, so there was about forty of them. They were gone in a flash, and uh, we also gave, uh, Adam gave away some gift certificates to a laundromat. So, oh, very nice. So, you know, you want to smell good. Hopefully, they use Tide Pods up there. Yeah. Those are the best. Yeah, well, it, uh, I, I think we had everyone covered. You know, people who want to be clean, you know, when they have their their stuff clean and people who want to get dirty by you know does adam own this laundry mat do we know i know they sponsor (laughs) they sponsor the pickaxe podcast i know they do you should all check out but i i don't know actually that's a that's a good that's a good question does he get his hands clean in the laundry business i should say i'm gonna have to ask that i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to investigate see if there's like some relatives of him of his running this so he's getting something on the sly here but um yeah so yeah it was a great time and the nuggets won that night and uh, that was the last time they won so i haven't won since (laughs) Yeah, Denver is one and two. Uh, I know Harrison Wind had put out a tweet, our, our good friend over at BSN Denver. Harry Wind. The old Harry Wind. He yeah. did a, had a tweet that said, and I completely agree with him, you know, the Nuggets are one and two. They could easily be three and oh, and they could also easily be 0 oh and three. I mean, that's kind of the way things are in the NBA. But we talked about this on Adam's pick ass pick. Axe podcast, pick ass podcast, ass podcast. It's usually what I do. Lord above. When I'm ass picking, is, I'm listening to the podcast. It's a tongue twister. This is what happens. But we're we're talking about the fact. I think I brought it up that this was going to be a struggle this year, right? Yeah. Close games, games that make it down to the fourth quarter, and we saw that last year. It's obviously it's going to be inexperienced, but the thing that has hurt Denver has been Anthony Davis for fifty. Damian Lillard for 37. C.J. McCollum let him up in that Portland game. Uh, and then in the last game they played, both DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry you know, dominated, I think scored over a combined 60 points, if not more. Um, and the fact was those guys turned it on late in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in the case of Damian Lillard and in the case of both Lowry and DeRozan. And the Nuggets – are kind of still they're searching for that guy that's going to be able to take over in the yeah. fourth quarter, and they've been searching for that guy since Carmelo Anthony left the team. I'll tell you this: I'm, I, I'm this is getting into the weeds. I don't know if we're gonna if we had planned on talking about this, but I I, I really get into do. the weed or weeds. Weeds, maybe, maybe a little. Gotcha. Above, okay. <laughs> this is Colorado. Um, I do see a, a buddy boy dispensary right nearby. Next door. <laughs> yes. uh, I, I really do think that that person is going to be, drumroll please, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray? Oh for 8, Jamal no, Murray? No, 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 eventually. 
he will be the the guy who will be taken because he's got the confidence. He's got that like I will take this shot kind of attitude. The Nuggets are filled with a bunch of guys who are not that don't have that mentality. They don't have that you know fuck you. I'm going to take this shot kind of attitude. The only other guy that I've seen do Martin. that thus far has been Jokic. I mean Barton has it, but Barton, Jokic yeah. was the first guy in that in the home opener or in the third quarter. He was visibly frustrated. He was like when I think when Nuggets turned it over a couple times when they took bad shots, he was like shaking his head in disgust. You could see it. Yeah, you could see it in his body language, very visible. And then all of a sudden, he just started going after the ball and calling for it, making plays on the defensive end, the offensive end. So that was the first time to me that he's really looked like that he had kind of a pissed off attitude. And well, I, I liked it. I do. I do agree that the lack of of let's take it over at the end kind of guy is. It's a problem for the Nuggets, but as you've said, it's it's been a problem for years, and I, you got to deal with the team you got. I think right now their problem is they're not is not the end of games. It's it's a little farther back in the beginning of the fourth to the middle of the fourth where they lose leads. When you when you saw <laughs> Kenneth Fareed take the challenge uh, selfishly, take the challenge of guarding Lillard on that final possession. He usually could have switched off of him because uh-huh. he kind of called it for it. Yep. I think he slapped the court, you know, and that like yes. lean down, slap the court, like bring it on type thing. Yes. Was there any part of you that thought he was going to stop Damian Lillard? Not an iota of it. <laughs> I mean, he went by him like he was going the other way and Freed did what he can do sometimes and that's trail the play and try to go for the spectacular block because that was the only shot that he had, but it was bad. And his, that was bad. But Denver's perimeter defense has been bad in yes, all three is. games. And watching, like, you know, Will Barton gets routinely lost when, you know, he, he just, not lost, but he, he can't stay in front of guys on the perimeter. Moutier can't stay in front of guys when they're going through screens, this and that. Gallo's getting uh, torched. Gallo, but if he gets matched up on a smaller guy, he's done. Jamal Murray has a horrible habit of having his legs like completely straight and bending at the waist, and he has no chance of moving oh, yeah. laterally at all. Oh, the defense is just dreadful. I don't know why they don't teach him like how to do a squat. <laughs> you know, like Steve Hess, teach that boy how to do a squat, and then show him how to do that like during games. I, it's it, it's concerning in a, in, but it's not because. I think there's some design in the way the Nuggets are defending. As I love like, Jamal Murray, by the way. I think, well, yeah, uh, we, I think there's some design in what the Nuggets are, are doing as far as, like, letting some guys just go off. They used to do that with Kobe, you know, just, you know, let him get his, we'll stop everyone else. So there's a philosoph- defensive philosophy like that. Problem is, you got to do, at the end, these same guys are going to still be shooting, and you got to stop them. And the Nuggets systemically right now are having some issues with putting the right personnel in the game at the end of games. Let's forget offensively when you need to score. Let's just talk specifically defensively. The thing that's driven me nuts about that aspect of it is, okay, so they've been... uh, The first two games, there was no big on the floor besides Kenneth Freed. He was the center. And, And to me, the problem with that is and always has been there's no intimidation factor in the paint, which Dikembe Mutombo talked about in the home opener of... You know, Hastings asked him about blocking shots and what's the key to it, and it's you know it's common sense now. Everybody kind of knows it is. You know, Matumbo said you don't go after every single shot. No, but your presence alone changes things, and yep. we've seen that. We saw it in the Toronto game when Nurkic actually closed the game. There is a, a play where Nurkic, I think, got singled up with DeRozan, 
and either DeRozan or Lowry, one of the two. And they pulled up earlier and took like an awkward fadeaway, like in the middle of the paint that missed badly. Yep. And it was like, had that been free, they would have just gone right over him. That's what you call a rim protector. Yeah, and there is, I mean, that, that stuff to me matters. So to me, yep. not only having them there for the defensive side, but for rebounding, for the intimidation factor, for the ability that they can also block shots. Plus, offensively, Nurkic is your best post scorer. Yeah. Uh, and Jokic is either 1A or 1B in that department. And Jokic can also hit jump shots and space the floor a little bit. And I don't I, know. Listen, we can, are we going to we, we're going to talk about the bigs? Uh, I'm sure, but that's what we're talking about now. Well, if you want to segue into this, I I have a small rant. Okay. Um, Kenneth Fareed should not be at center to close games ever, because they do not have the on offense. They don't have the spacing right now. I don't know about they, ever. I, I don't. I, they do not. If this was George Carl coaching this team, absolutely. In fact, he often closed because, and I think on the Pickaxe podcast, I said, well, I would like a lineup featuring Fareed. Um, and watching the first three games of this year, I've noticed that the Nuggets systemically do not run the same thing as George Carl. George Carl, as we all remember, the, the the center like Mozgov or Kufus would stand out of bounds. The uh, the everyone was spread out, and when um, Farid was in there, he had tons of space to do whatever he wanted to do. But when he right, you know, when the Nuggets have to run plays, he messes everything up. He doesn't stick to plays. He messes up the spacing. It is it is a shit show <laughs> because he is see ball get ball, which is fantastic if you are not running sets. But if you are running sets like the Nuggets do right now, it is awful, and it's been that way since Brian Shaw was here. Yeah. It has been the same thing. If you're going to run sets, you cannot have Kenneth Reed in there. If you go out there and you say we're not going to run a play, Kenneth, go get the ball. He is fantastic. And he is perfect for that sort of thing. And that frustrates me when they have him in there at the end of games and he's, yeah, going doing, going, and get the ball, and it looks fantastic, but when it goes to the offensive end, everything gets bogged down. Yeah, because sometimes when he'll set screens, like he knows he's supposed to roll the rim, but it's like maybe sometimes he shouldn't because that's going to clog the lane for yeah. the guard that's trying to drive to the rim. But he does it every time, it seems like. Or most of the time. I don't know. But, yeah, that, that's, a good, that's an interesting point. And I, I just – I like to – like, okay, when George was around, okay, you had Mozgov, you had Kufis, who were not, you know, extremely gifted offensive players. I mean, they had their role. They served their purpose. But Jokic and Nurkic are both pretty gifted players. Like, you don't yep. have to take skilled. them out to try to hide them. Like, you should be featuring those guys. So, you know, and it's three games. Things are going to change. Wilm's going to figure things out, hopefully. Just uh, because we're expressing frustration now doesn't mean that it can't change. I yeah, mean, it's uh, just a, a very small sample size of a very long season. We're not drawing hard conclusions. Well, let me let me ask you as a as an impartial observer of who is partial. Um, <laughs> let, me <ask> you, <laughs> let me ask you what do you think of Jokic and Nurkic so far in these three games? I I like it for the completely for the rebounding factor of it seems like they can at least get their hands on pretty much every missed shot. 
you know, and I love that fact. Just like when the Denver would used to play the Lakers, I, I always will come back to to Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum, uh, you know, and even Lamar Odom, who I guess Gallo could loosely be compared to, of just. Denver could never get rebounds. Like totally. Kmart and Nene were just they, helpless almost, yeah, yeah. you know, unless Kmart. Nightmares. Yeah, it's like, and e- even when they did get rebounds, they had to work their ass off to get those rebounds. So having those two guys out there makes the team, like, have to team rebound. And mm-hmm. so maybe there's not as many leak outs, stuff like that, because you're having more guys having to pay attention to these two brutes that are down there. So yeah. I, I like that. I, I like how even Hastings mentioned this um, I believe in the in the home opener uh, during the altitude broadcast. I thought was was you know pretty good of of switching the two because you had mentioned it, Jeff um, of Jokic. God, I can't remember the matchup. I don't know if it was from the opener or no. You mentioned it with Aminu of they should be posting you know heading into the game. You're like it'd be yeah. cool if they had Jokic down low and post up Aminu to take advantage of that. Yeah, and they weren't really doing that. No, and then. I think they started to in the second half, maybe. I, I don't totally they know. They started but to in the third. In the third, yeah. And it was like, yeah, I mean, and they are interchangeable because Nurkic can play in the high post. Yep. You know, he can play out above the elbow. He did it as a rookie. He's yep. capable. He's a very good passer. Yeah. Uh, he he hit a tremendous baseline jumper in that in that uh, Blazers game as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I think those guys are a little bit interchangeable on where you can play them. So I think they're more diverse than than perhaps giving credit for. Nurkic is not just a, a post player, even though that's what he can thrive at because yep. he's so big and has moves and is so big. And did I mention how big he is? Like he's, he's a big dude. He's, he has lost what, how much? He's 30, lost 30 pounds, pounds or something. And he's still enormous. People who stand next to him, I, he is built. There's this old saying that you're big boned, and he looks like a guy whose bones are massive. I mean, he just his frame is unbelievable. And uh, he's big when he's small. And. Um, my, this is my this is my deal. The Jerkic lineup, as we've we've been calling it, and it's I called don't Jerkic it's, because Nurkic is kind of a jerk. Yes, that's kind of the point of yes. Jerkic. Jerkic, and <laughs> and we as I as I pointed out on the podcast, um, Sandy Clough mispronounced Jokic and called it Jerkic. And ever since then, it's been the Jerkic lineup. But anyway, um. The Jerkish lineup is kind of a, a neither here nor there thing, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean it's it's cool to like you know have them play a few minutes together, take advantage when you of what you can take advantage of, but they really thrive as as you know we've all discussed. Mars has done a, a great job of pointing out when they're solo out there together, the lineups really seem to take off because you can you have a more diverse, yeah. uh, you have more put four shooters and one of those guys in there and they're just going to dominate. Well, I mean, uh, um, you and I were feverishly trying to figure out this before the podcast, but the lineup that kind of brought the Nuggets back in the uh, in the Toronto, Toronto game, game yeah. was Moutier, um, Barton, Gallo, Wilson, and uh, Nurkic. Yeah. And that is a highly skilled lineup right there. And then you, if you in, even insert you know, Jokic into that, it's you're not going to get a drop off. It's the same. It's di- almost different. You know, you had you have four, you have five floor spacers. Well, not with Moutier, but I mean, you have, Moutier can hit some threes. <laughs> you can hit some threes, but I mean, you got you got you got guards, and you know, you have you essentially have both in both instances inter, almost interchangeable skill in that. Yeah. And it's kind of like you, you watch it, and then you see the Jerkic lineup. And, and listen, it, it is what it is. I'm, I, if they want to go away from it, that's fine. 
the, the, the point of the whole thing, I think, is what we have learned is that either Jokic or Nurkic needs to be out there, I think, pretty much all game. I mean, not, not individually, but I mean one of them needs to be there out there at all times. And I don't mind running some, some small ball sets. Like if you're going to use Fareed at center or maybe Darrell Arthur and he comes back, so long as you're, you know, I guess playing a little more up-tempo if you're going to go that way. Because uh, Denver does have a, a, they have a ton of guys that can run. I've even been impressed with, with Jamal Murray attacking the basket, although he, you know, he's 0 for 8. I believe he's 0 for 8 shooting now. 0 for 2 in the first two games and 0 for 4 in Toronto. Unfortunately for him, uh, his homecoming was, was kind of spoiled. But uh, he's got tremendous speed. He loves to go left. I mean, we've known that since college. Uh, he's a big lefty driver. And he's going to get that down. I think, you know, we saw it with Moutier. You've seen it with rookies time and again. The game is just really fast. And once it starts to slow down for him, he's going to be okay. Absolutely. And as we've been talking about, obviously Will Barton sustains an ankle injury in Toronto. Yeah, that sucked. Gary Harris's groin is, is, you know, he's still not 100%. He is still out, yeah. But now who's Malone going to turn to? Is it going to be Jamal Murray? And is this going to be, you know, where he's going to get comfortable if he does start and if he does play 20-plus minutes? I I really hope that Malone doesn't try to rely on Jameer Nelson because all it's going to do is he's going to get hurt and he's going to take a bunch of shots and it's going to be awful. He's going to chuck a bunch of threes. Um, (laughs) Even though, as Harrison Lee told me, Jameer did play well in Toronto. He did play well in Toronto. The yes, sun he did. shines on a dog's ass at least once a day. But I, I mean, this is this is Murray's opportunity, right? Like, hopefully, he's going to get a shot because you know, next man up. Well, we have a next man up policy here. Yeah, John Fox, <laughs> Johnny. Um, I look at it this way with Barton out and Gary Harris out you're looking at a very likely combination of Jamal Murray and Malik Beasley oh I th- I'd like to see Malik Beasley play just because I haven't seen him much I I personally am looking very much for, for those who have are not familiar with Malik Beasley uh his family is is amazing. They're the nicest people in the world. And he's hungry too. And and I've seen he, Snapchat videos of him eating a lot of food. Yes, he's 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 a hungry guy. And um I, I think that I think that it's I'm really looking forward to you know, it's the weird thing about youth and when you have draft picks is that you really want to see them play. And you in the back of your mind you know that it's probably going to be bad. But I know. I was so excited to see. see I was so excited to see Murray, and it's like, ah, shucks! Come on, guy! Come on, <laughs> come on fella! Come on, fella! You want it's, to pat him on like, the head? I just want yeah. one of these shots to go in for him, so he can like see the ball go through the hoop. It's know? one. Of, he's one of those guys that I, I was talking to some people who watched him in college at the Portland game, and they said he just needs to see the ball and go in once. Yeah, and it's it's true. And he this is a. I mean, this is real NBA for him right now. You know, he wasn't in the preseason, and now this is very, very real. And it's he's probably suffering from a little bit of those yips from you. You get from you when you just finally get in there. Yeah, it's just the speed too. I mean, even you know, we, we've talked about it. Moutier talked about it last year, uh, from last summer to this summer. Eric Green talked about it. He said the biggest thing for him was you know first summer league to second summer league was just the speed of everything slowing mm-hmm. way down. So eventually, it'll come together for him. Uh, more minutes might have that come faster uh, as long as I hope Malone trusts him to play a little bit more because why not, you know? And Well, who else are they going to play? And the I thing, mean, the thing for Murray, too, is it's like, all right, so 
we know he's not a very good defender. Yeah. Uh, he's not perhaps a, an NBA point guard. Ferdy is not very good running the offense or running pick and rolls yet, you know. So he's a scorer. Like, let's try to let this kid score. Let him score. You know? and, and really, to me, when he's playing with that second unit, and hopefully this will happen with the first unit because Moutier is a different point guard than Jameer, you know, Moutier will look to set up teammates and will look to get guys involved. When that second unit plays, it's almost kind of like uh, it's like Wilson Chandler and Jameer Nelson kind of have a, a two-on-two game going, you yeah. know, or two-on-five. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, I know that, you know, they're, they're working on things, whatever the case is. Murray's got to prove to them a little bit that he can play. But at the same time, like, get him involved. Run him off some screens. You know, he's kind of just been standing in the corner, even though they're running some stuff for him. But it's like, man, get him out of the corner. Like, let him, let's try to free him up and get him some shots. Let's get, him, get him some. I mean, listen, every, every basic offense. My cheerleading if, again. Damn it. You're fine. Uh, <laughs> because I've, I was had the cheerleading same. cheerleading for Murray. I had the same thoughts sitting in our new seats at Pepsi Center when we were watching Portland. I was going to ask that. Where are you guys sitting now? It looks like you guys are in the, a corner. You're not no longer yeah, in we're the on press box? Section 144 now. Dang. So we're in the other corner, and we're right behind the Nuggets bench. You guys are moving moving on up. That's we're moving great. on down, I That's guess. Great seats. I, Is anybody still up in the Avs press box? Yeah. The, uh, the, the newer blockers. <laughs> 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 um. But anyway, we uh, sitting over there. I was thinking about where's that. Anilo? Where they got Anilo? Up in the up in the rafters. Oh, take that Anilo! Two years Anilo. You're gonna have to do. <laughs> I've been doing this for. Five, this is my. This is season number five now. I love Anilo. Good, good kid. <laughs> good hair. Good hair on top of that head of that kid. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I wish I had that. Um, anyway, we. <laughs> you do, but <laughs> I really do. Um, I, I I hope. I was watching it, and then they were starting every set with horns. So they were having the guy, the wings run to the to the corners, and um, sometimes they have one corner just park himself there, you yeah. know. And they kind of, you know, they they do the whole th- little drift thing where you try to start drifting to the top of the key. But I, I, he was just standing there, and I'm like, come on, man, get him the ball at the top and let him go. All right, yeah. just let him shoot. And if he sees the ball, and like uh, with you, he sees the ball go in. It's all it's going to take, and then he'll start hitting shots. Right now, the NBA is a big baddie for him. And to be honest with you, I, I mean, I'm wanting to see that with Malik Beasley whenever he gets in because he hadn't been in yet at all. And no, they even put uh, they put Wancho in for 49 seconds. They did. They did. Got his got his first experience there. Um, the other guy is is Manuel Moutier, Where yeah. I call him. On CSG in that column I wrote, you know, the Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde, because mm-hmm. there's some some stretches of the game where you watch him and you're just going, is this guy even, like, an NBA player? Like, he can't even yeah. dribble the basketball. Yeah. Like, what is going on? He's getting it stolen from him by, you know, centers and power forwards. Uh, he's driving Stiff one-on-one breeze. on a break, yes. and <laughs> Lillard dives for the ball, and he tries to go behind the back and gets kicked out of bounds, you know, and it's like, geez, Louise. And then... He has these stretches in the game, just like that Portland game. He had moments in Toronto where he's, like, unguardable and just goes to the rim at will. And yep. he has this vision. He had this, this uh, I don't even know what you call it. He had a pick and roll with Fareed where he just slipped this pass through two defenders behind him without even looking. Hits Fareed in stride for the dunk, and it's just like, I don't know. I, you, I've, I've, I've been trying to preach patience with him, you know, like not – this summer he was going to transform into this great shooter and this and that. It's going to take years for him with an S. 
And, and I don't know yeah. if the Nuggets have that kind of patience, but hopefully, you know, somebody else might. But I, I just I like that kid. I like watching him play, and it's you can't help but root for him because you're like, God, I just want him to like yeah. be better. But well, I I do I root for him definitely. Well, I will say this about him: Russell Westbrook can't can't shoot. Okay, he's and he ta- he's a horrible three point shooter, and he takes a lot of them. Um, he compensates that by being relentless and being quick and basically being the guy who's going to get there before you. And it's, it takes a toll on your body to it, play that way. It does. That's, that's reckless. I mean, there, there will be you, – you saw it a couple years ago when he had the knee problems, uh, where Westbrook had the knee problems. It's just it, – it will catch up with you. And Moutier has two Especially things. Especially when Pat Beverly's around. Very true. <laughs> Moutier, Moutier has two things going against him. One, he's not as fast. As as uh, nobody is as Westbrook, yeah. and two, he can't shoot. He just let's just throw that out there. Moutier's not a good shooter. He has some very technical. It's it's. I wouldn't say he can't shoot. I'd just say he's not a good shooter. He's got fundamental things wrong with what he does when he shoots. You can hear Hastings when he'll like double clutch or when he'll fade away, and you can just hear the depression and Scott's tone where he's just like, Ugh, the one that bothers me is it. when he's about six seven feet from the hoop. And he jumps backwards. Yeah, or he could just you know. rise up because you see you see Westbrook <laughs> shoot the opposite way. He yeah. leans forward he into that forward. shot. Yeah, and once Moutier kind of figures that part out too, yeah. you know, and figures out those floaters like Lillard has and Chandler had a hell of a floater the other night too. Like once he gets those aspects down yes. and gets away from that stupid fadeaway where it's like, why are you fading away when the guy guarding you is five nine? The only, the only just first... go up over him. You're huge. If, it's, um, he's like uh, that movie Swingers with John Favreau. It's like you're this, <laughs> you know, you're a bear. You have these nails, and you're like, what do I do with these things? It's like just freaking attack, man. If you are kill that rabbit. If your name isn't Dirk Nowitzki, you should not be shooting a fadeaway. That's just, I think that should be a general rule. Or Jokic. Uh, or Jokic. Or well, Kobe or MJ. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, all those <laughs> other than Jokic, all those guys are gone. Um, no one shoots that way anymore. I mean, Curry even. I mean, guys shoot fadeaways still. It's still a part of the game. Clay Thompson shoots a nice fadeaway. A little bit. I mean, but, but, I mean, like Curry, you know, guys like that will, will go forward. I mean, I, th- the, I think the the frustrating part of it is Moutier will be kind of – he'll do the, the, the Nene in guard form where, you know, Nene would get two inches from the basket and pass out to the three-point line. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Moutier's version is fading from – Five feet to ten feet to yeah. shoot, where he's basically vertical to the floor. I, it is not. It it just that's not conducive to a good shot. He's got mechanical things that are fundamentally wrong with what he does, so he can't compensate with good shooting. So right now, people are like, "This guy dribbles. When he dribbles, he dribbles up by his numbers, right? It's the highest dribble I have ever seen for a guard." And they see that and they think, "Well, he's not going to drive by me because he's not." You know, explosive like Russell Westbrook, and he's not going to pull up and shoot the J. So I'm just going to attack his dribble, and 75 percent of the time they make a steal. Is that a uh, exact number? 75%? That is not exact. But I do, do feel, not quote me on that. And and there has been times where he does get low on those dribbles, and that's usually when he has success. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like that's again that stuff can change, but it, it takes a long time to pound those habits out of your game. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I still on this podcast will say um. You know, uh, um, yeah. 
Anyone who listened to doing this for years. Anyone listened to my last podcast, solo podcast, it was ninety percent um. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's you know, it is what it is. But I mean, you know, I'm still, I'm still like him. I still like his game. I yeah. still like the promise of his game. It's frustrating, but yeah, I, I, I like him. It's tough when you when you see a guy that can. Same thing with Nene. Same thing with Nurkic. Like when a guy can dominate certain aspects of a game, and you like want them to do that all the time. And Westbrook does it all the time. But again, that takes such a toll on your body to play that way. How has how has Nene never scored a thirty point game in his NBA career? The, oh, yeah. the, <laughs> even in the playoffs, where he had some great games, never scored a thirty point game. Yeah. Some guys, you look at that and you think, man, you could have been, you could have been great. And I hope. Moutier is not one of those guys. I know. Yeah, me too. That's a good point. Oh, geez. Moutier. We love you, bud. Moutier. <laughs> uh, yeah, so also the the other good stuff going on around town. Uh, I got into it the other night with a, a local troll that also mm. moonlights as a columnist. It's yes. kind of funny. Yeah. But uh, I was having a good time. I don't know why he seemed to get tried to antagonize and get me mad and then unfollowed me for some reason. Well, I mean. What a jerk. <laughs> I mean, I mean, some guys, some guys are keyboard tough guys. I got into it with a local local troll because uh, I believe in Wilson Chandler. I think he is going to bounce back. He's been rehabbing from two horrific injuries, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like you know, even I, I defended Kenny Martin as well because when Kenny Martin did play, he played well, you know. And towards the end of his Nuggets career, when he sustained, you know, some actual health. He was damn good. Defensive quarterback of the team. like Really good defensively. I don't really want to give up on guys that are good. And look at it this way. So with guys like Chandler, with guys like Gallinari, yes, the question remains, how long are the Nuggets going to hang on to these guys? Darrell yeah. Arthur was another one, you know, where their timeline doesn't necessarily fit the timeline of this team. But if they still want to be here, you still want them here. These guys sign extensions. They're still here. They serve a purpose. Okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to trade Wilson for a second round pick, maybe a late first round pick? Yeah. Uh, while he's you know not recouped from injury and he doesn't have a lot of trade value, uh, could it benefit both guys to keep him here for you know maybe through the deadline or through the end of the season or through the end of his contract? Maybe build back his value to either a help the team on the floor or b help his trade value so that maybe he can go somewhere that's more competitive and the Nuggets can get something back that's worth more value. Uh, but while he's here, you know, and if you do trade him for a draft pick, then you're getting younger. Did the Nuggets want to get younger? No. That would be kind of stupid to me because you also need veterans on this team that are going to show the young guys, hey, I'm at practice early. I'm, you know, even if he's hurt and rehabbing, he's doing that shit every day. He's doing multiple things. He's changed his diet to help his body. He's done, you know, multiple different kinds of physical therapy to help himself. I think giving up on him would be stupid and yeah. short-sighted. Yeah. And to say that he had, you know, didn't have a stellar game in Toronto and that's proof that they should trade him, it's like, well, what are you going to trade him for? A second-round pick? Are you stupid? Like, why would you trade him right now? Uh, and why would, why would you trade him at this point in time? And, you know, we'll see how this season plays out for Wilson. Uh, he's got a long way to go. He's just figuring his game back out, just getting his legs back under him, just like with, you know, Jamal Murray, whoever else. Like, you have to get back in the swing of things. You have to see some shots go through the hoop. And um, to me, it would be incredibly stupid and short-sighted to get rid of a guy at this point. Well, at some point, maybe Wilson will want to be traded. Maybe he'll want to go play for a a playoff team, and Denver can deal him, and maybe they'll get something in return. I don't know. It's hard. I mean, I know that as someone who has defended Daniil Gallinari a lot, 
There comes Kenyon a, Martin too. I mean, you're yeah, a big Kenyon Martin I, I, fan. Listen, uh, without Kenyon, there's no Western Conference Finals. Period. I, I I said that then. I'll say it now. It's it's Kenyon Martin was when he was okay. When he was healthy, was that as you pointed out? He was the guy that was the definite. God damn, stay down, bird. Uh. But the thing is, too, like maybe you wouldn't want Kenyon Martin. I don't know. I don't know how he was perceived in the locker room. I've heard stories from reporters. Things are completely different when reporters are in the locker room yeah. versus when they're not, because obviously. Guys don't want you to write shit that they're going to be talking about. You know, like, exactly. they're not going to be talking about women in front of us. You yeah. know, whatever, yeah. whatever the case. But to me, you can't find one guy in that locker room that doesn't like Wilson Chandler. Yep, he's a, he's a consummate professional. He's a you know, by all accounts, a great teammate. Yep. I don't see what the problem is. There's, I mean, uh, Wilson. I, I I I enjoy Wilson, and I think it would be foolish to think that someone who is just coming off a year out of of um, being able to play has like not played since preseason of 2015 um, has should be like putting up Kobe numbers but I also I, I just I don't I don't understand that and I also get the side of it where you can say well why did why would they give him a contract extension why not just let him walk and put that money towards somebody that might you know play 82 games or whatever okay like you can argue that side of it for sure. You yeah. can argue that side. But you also can say wings are an incredibly important position in the NBA. A guy that can play two, three, and four. Yeah. You know, why would you let, I hate to use the term asset, but why as management would you let an asset walk, especially when you're at the salary cap floor? You have to pay somebody. Why not reward somebody that's actually a good player, but also a good example to the young guys on this team that you want to be better. Well, you make a very good point. The Nuggets are $9 million below the floor. And they're not in any need to get rid of salary right now. <laughs> yeah. And at some point, you know, if, if, if Wilson's playing better and wants to leave, the Nuggets have definitely accommodated guys that have wanted to go. They've accommodated guys like Arthur and Gallo that have wanted to stay. But... I mean, let's say he's averaging again if he gets up to double figures off the bench. Name a contender that wouldn't be like, yeah, well, we, wouldn't, we don't want him. Well, like I he's, think he's a, a valuable player still I, in the NBA. He's I think young. next year Nurkic and Harris are both of, uh, available for early extensions. And so you can use up some salary cap there. I mean, there's not, there's not a need for the Nuggets to, to – to dump people. And even like there's not, there's not one guy on this team save maybe Kenneth Fareed, but even not, not Kenneth Fareed where they can't trade him based on their contract. Yeah. It's like, Oh, we can't afford that. Like everyone can afford these deals. Fareed is the one who is like, you look at him and you think this is the guy who's most likely. Um, There's Gallo who is, I mean, he's technically in a contract here. The the free thing now, especially because he's coming off the bench, and everybody yeah. knows it. You know whether he's accepted this new role or whether he's accepted this new role because it's finally going to get him out of Denver. You know, I don't know how much he does or doesn't want to be here. I don't know. But at the same time, it's like Freed is the guy that you know is kind of pegged to be the dude that's traded, and it has been that way for like two, three years. I just hope that. Um the Nuggets, if they do make a move, it's it's no longer to acquire more draft picks. But you never know; they may need another year. You know, 
If this is this is but not with a draft pick. It's like you're going to need another three years. Another yeah, three years. I mean, people they don't like, have the only NBA ready guys. Honestly, are probably I mean, Moutier, uh, Jokic, and Nurkic. And Moutier, as we've said, is inconsistent. You know, and Jamal Murray may be there. We'll see. But Beasley, he might take time. Wancho's going to take time. Yeah. Well, you look at the Rudisovic if he ever comes over. I, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, <laughs> um, there is. I mean, you look at like NBA Twitter loves young guys. You can only get more young guys so often before it's like you're just a train of young guys coming in right. who all need to kick the can down the road. It's just it's you need to have stability. You need to have to have a direction, and you have to have a way forward. Which again and, is a reason to keep guys like Arthur Gallo and Wilson yeah. around. It shows the rest of the league that not only you know do you value having that locker room, but you also reward guys that want to be here. You know, and you reward guys that you're not just you're not just looking to turn over the right. Are you really going to be able to sign Dwayne Wade if you don't have Gallo? If you yeah. don't have you know some of these veteran guys around, you're exactly. not going to be able to re-sign any free agents if all they see are, is the 76ers. Yes, of Sam Hinkie's era. Absolutely, and you're right. And so, I mean, by and large, I mean, listen, who knows what the Nuggets are going to do? And and. Probably nothing. And, and, and That's the, what they always do. And the, and it doesn't the, matter who the GM is. And the deadline is, uh, we, there's a couple things we know. Since Gallo is technically a contract year, the value they're going to be able to get from him at the deadline is not much. And outside of that, you got Kenneth Fareed and whatever they decide to do in the future. And right now, I don't see a, a tremendous amount of urgency or need to deal. And there's another just, thing, too. People right? always like, want to deal. Like, do the Nuggets <laughs> hang on to guys too long? You know, yeah, you could argue that side of they it. They hung too. on to Ty Lawson too long, that's yeah. for sure. Have they hung on to Gallo too long? Have could they hung be. on to Wilson too long? Like, yeah. you, you can make that argument. Could for make sure. the argument that the Nuggets have a history of hanging on to people too long. It's just it's part of their DNA. But at the same time, there's also except for Chauncey Billups' case, they can't. They love trading them some Chauncey. Yes, Billups. they did. Antonio McDice. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> God. Two guys that would uh, would beg to differ on that, but I think that there is a there's just a, a need to um, for fans. They just want and, and need some apparently some reporters to constantly bang the drum to get people out of town when nor does it doesn't share any you know kind of likeness with reality nor need. And why didn't they just draft Steve Nash and, and trade for Kevin Love? I don't get it. Wow. I mean, they were told to do so. Why not do it? That's true. Well, Jeez Louise. I mean, if, if we were running the team in 1996, <laughs> we would have drafted Steve Natch with the knowledge that we have now, of course. Oh, yes. Of course. I mean, hindsight <laughs> is a very good friend of everyone's. Yes. Uh, so the other, the other crazy part of this Nuggets season, um, all right, I hate the fact that they, they win their first game, they lose the home opener. They did it last year. They do it this year. And you already saw people... I saw some crazy ass Nuggets fans going ape shit after that uh, Blazers loss. This is the same old stinking team. They tear my heart out again. I hate this team. I hate the Nuggets. Like it's like, dude, it's it's two games. At, but at least they cared enough to complain. That's yeah. all. That's all. That's the way I look at that. But I mean, honestly, if you start two and zero, I I I still believe you create like a tiny bit of buzz. But now, Jeff, you wrote about this uh, today in your piece about this schedule, this brutal schedule. They have a, a. They're currently on a five-game road trip. Let's say they come back. God, what was it first seven games? Let's say they come back one and six. 
Are you going to be able to sell tickets at Pepsi Center when you're one and six? Well, they'll be able to do it to their first game back because they'll print. They're playing the Warriors. But. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> all you Oakland, and we'll see a lot of OKC Kevin Durant jerseys. I'm sure. Um, the you know the the grander point of my article was the, the NBA is basically screwing the Nuggets right now. Um, and yeah. it's it's being done intentionally. I mean, they got Toronto. They go to Minnesota, Detroit, Boston, Memphis. Those yeah. cities aren't even near each other. <laughs> like flying man, all over hell. Man, how do you even in the United States some of those? I mean, how do you go from <laughs> Toronto to Minnesota? Shouldn't you go from like Toronto to Boston, and then well, Toronto to, to Detroit, Detroit and would then be, Minnesota. Toronto to Detroit would be really quick. That's the they're not oh yeah, those right there, yeah. right? Um, why but, aren't we schedule makers? I don't Give me that job. But, but, well, what's happened is... I'm only worried about one team. I don't care about the other 30 teams. I'm just or the other 29 teams. I just want to worry about the Nugget schedule. Yeah. I don't care how it conflicts with these other teams. Yeah. I don't care about the rodeo tour or the L.A. stuff they <laughs> the, have to do. The, the, uh, the, the Grammy, the Grammy uh, road trip. Yeah. Um, the, the Nuggets, essentially, what has happened is that a bunch of coaches and... and GMs and owners complain that the Nuggets have an unfair advantage with altitude. Yes, because something that has been going on since Denver has had a team. They're always thirty-seven <laughs> and three at home yes, every year. Every every year, um, and they after the two thousand thirteen season, apparently it had reached a a whining crescendo, and um, the NBA decided to crack down on the West Coast to Denver. Back to backs, gross. But what that has done, because all all these teams would end their road trip in Denver. So what that has done, in order to do that, they've had to move the Nuggets schedule around to the point where it's been well, pretty much insane. You remember last year they had an eight game homestand and a seven game homestand, yeah, which was the weirdest, dumbest thing I'd ever seen in my it's life. Like we lived at Pepsi Center you for like never a month. Be, you never want to be home that long. Ever. People say that. You want to be? No. Last time I was home that long, I started eating my own arms. (laughs) That's what the Nuggets were doing. And I believe they went like one and six and two and two and six on those uh, home stands. And what happens is that since they've had to adjust to get that part of it out is the Nuggets this year, they've done the opposite. They've given the Nuggets two five-game road trips, a six-game road trip, and they only have a four-game homestand. That is, they have that twice. Did I really pick Denver to win 42 games? Yes, you did. (laughs) So basically, and they have got a bunch of two games at home, one on the road. Two games on the road, one at home. Just like they're in and out of Denver constantly. Um, And it basically is all because a bunch of coaches and GMs and owners whined about the Nuggets having playing at altitude and having a home home court advantage. That's ridiculous. And it's it's really screwed the Nuggets, and, and what it's done is it's well, made it unfair. Well, we should whine about Golden State then because they have a really good crowd, and we shouldn't have to play yes. there. I tell you what, <laughs> let's whine about uh, L.A., uh, and the Clippers and the, Miami. the and Clippers and the Lakers. Players are getting too drunk the night before games. Exactly. Clippers and the Lakers, their road trips consist of them changing uniforms and the, when, they, when they play each other. Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> Atlanta, the strip clubs are too good too there. Too good. We don't want to play there. <laughs> um, Brooklyn and New York, subway ride to Brooklyn. <laughs> totally Subway unfair. ride to Hemisphere. Um, Spread these teams out. Wyoming needs a team. Well, yeah. South Dakota needs a team. <laughs> you see, by the fact that the Nuggets are... The only team within, let's see, how how far is Salt Lake City from Denver? About five hundred miles. 
uh, roughly. Sure, roughly. Yeah. So, no so yeah, it's about 500 miles from Denver. You got Salt Lake City. I'm gonna look this up. Yeah, I think I think it's 500. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's 250 to Grand Junction. So I think it's like just under 500 miles from Denver to Salt Lake City. If you're driving. Here we go. Drum roll. Oh, you dumb. 520 miles. 520 miles. Holy crap. If you can't see Jeff right now, he is tapping his nose. I am. I am. <laughs> That's pretty uh, good. It is, it is like... I had no idea that you could influence a freaking schedule that way. And we're back. And we're back. CSU Podcast coming to you live from Jake Sports and Spirits. Jake Feinstein is currently in the back smoking some barbecue. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Nugget schedule, craziness, uh, yeah. all of it's crazy. It, it's just, it's ridiculous yeah, is what yeah. it is. It's ridiculous. They need to, the NBA needs to rectify it because I think that in, in all issues of fairness, it's, it's like if you, if you do that for, for the Nuggets because of the Nuggets, why aren't you doing that? Because of these other teams and their un- their unfair advantages. Yeah, the Nuggets are screwed, man. But uh, Denver <laughs> will be playing Minnesota coming up next. I don't know. Minnesota. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see that game because I want to see Chris Dunn. I want to see our guy Zach Levine. I want to see Wiggins, Towns. I don't care about Rubio. He can fall off a cliff for all I care. Uh, but yeah, Minnesota's coming up. That'll be good. That's Nuggets basketball. They're uh, you know they're going to struggle a little bit, I guess. Maybe more so than I thought, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll score 100 points a few times here and there. It'll be good times. Yes. But uh, what kind of uh, TV have you been watching? Or movies? you going to any shows? Um, no. I started watching. Uh, I told myself after. I'll interrupt you then since you paused. Uh, <laughs> I told myself after watching. Uh, I wanted to check out these two new HBO shows. Actually, I wanted to watch one, and I okay. didn't want to watch another one. I wanted to watch Divorce with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and the guy from uh, that wine movie. Damn it. Uh, with Paul, Paul Giamatti, but oh, the other guy. Thomas Hayden Church? Yes. Yeah. 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 Lowell. Lowell, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to watch that one, and the show I didn't want to watch was, it's called Insecure. Okay. It's kind of a, uh, it's about a woman who's like trying to maybe find her place in the world and struggling through a relationship as well. It's is, about she, a, is she insecure? I'll, I'll just come out and say it. It's about a black woman. Uh, it's, it's basically a black culture show that oh, I know nothing okay. about, so I'm like, maybe I'll check this out. No, I didn't want to watch that. So I watched the first three episodes of Divorce, and it's pretty bad. Lowell's not a very good actor. No, he's not. Uh, the storyline's not very good. I don't believe that they're married, and I don't know. It just seems hokey and terrible. Yeah. So that should be canceled. And then I was like, I'm going to give this stupid insecure show a shot. It's going to be terrible. I fucking love that show. Really? It's fantastic. Really? It's really good. Huh. And I didn't think I'd like it at all because I'm racist. No, I didn't think I'd like it at all because I just looked dumb kind of like from the previews. Bad previews. Uh, but, you know, hey, previews don't always tell the whole story. That show rules. I will watch it until they're done with it. Interesting. Also, I hadn't heard of any. Of, I hadn't heard of either of those shows. HBO is having to throw some new stuff out there. The other one that uh, I'm kind of disappointed in is Girls is going into its final season. Yes, I watch Girls. Yes, I have a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> that show. That's got to be one of the all time. One of my all time favorite shows. <laughs> I love that show. It's embarrassing to talk about, <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> And my favorite, you've seen, have you seen that show? Uh-huh. My favorite character might be um, Hannah's 
ex-college boyfriend, the gay dude. No, yeah. I yeah. can't remember his name, but he is. Is he gay in real life, that guy? I don't know. I don't know. I do, who's the actor? Um, I don't know. He I does a phenomenal job. I don't remember his name. God dang. I'm so, I'm so out of it. If it's not British... <laughs> yeah, if he's, not, if he's not British. Who cares? But yeah, that's, so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, Interesting. I can't. So, what did I watch recently for him? Oh, I watched the movie Joy as well. That sucked. Yeah, heard it was good. I didn't like it. I I didn't. Yeah, so from the previews, it didn't look that interesting. Yeah. Um, did you do anything? Did you watch anything for Halloween, or was it a uh, early night for you? Early the, night. Yeah. yeah. Go to bed about seven o'clock. Yeah. If the Nuggets are playing, and might try to watch some try more of it. Stretch it out a little farther. Yeah. Um, boy, it's going to suck for you when uh, Nuggets are playing home games. Or West Coast or, games. Or TNT games. The 8.30 yeah. games. I'm going to watch those the next day and record those. But yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. So anything? Me, any British shows? And any shit British so TV? Shit British TV. Um, what have I been watching? No, I'm actually finishing up Longmire. Longmire. Did you watch any of that? No. It's not bad. No. It's uh, about a cop in Wyoming. Oh, okay. Uh, Blue Diamond Phillips is in it. Uh, yeah, I don't believe in him anymore. <laughs> I, don't I don't believe in his acting skills. He doesn't exist. He's like a B, <laughs> he's a B actor. Anything with uh, Lou Diamond Phillips or Andy Garcia, it's like that. Don't even bother. It's going to be bad. It's actually very, very charming show. I, I mean, it takes a, a couple episodes to get into it because the premise I thought was kind of of hokey at, at first, but the characters are good. And um, I've I've actually enjoyed it, um, and it's not British. Um, I've been. Have you have you heard of or watched any of Westworld on HBO? I have not yet. I'd be interested. You should you should check it out. I'm my sister really seems to enjoy it. I can't really get into it, and it's like it seems like I should be able to because it's it's a cool concept for a show, but it's just like Ed Harris is in it, Anthony Hopkins is in it. Um, you seen the movie The Notebook? Yes. The dude that plays the guy that doesn't get chosen? Yes. He's in it. Oh. Uh, really? Some girl's in it that's been in stuff. Oh my God. You and Ross know like, all these actors' names and stuff, and I'm like, I just have to... Re- just- I don't know their, I know characters they've played, and I can try to loosely describe who they are. <laughs> this guy. That's going to be the next quiz I do. It's going to be you and Connolly, and I'm going to have Connolly try to guess the actor based oh, off Lord. my horrible description. Oh, my God. I tell you what, that quiz, that quiz you came up with, I was not expecting it to be as difficult as it was. I thought it was easy because I wrote the question. I was like, I should try to make this harder. <laughs> try to make it harder. Little did you know. Um, I, uh, what, else, what else have I been watching? Um... Kettering Incident is an Australian show. Um, it's actually a really creepy show. It's very, very good. Um, I do like some Australian shows, so I might, I might watch that one. Yeah, it's on Amazon if you okay. watch them. Yeah. My buddy does the Amazon things. Okay. Yeah. Um, we watched Pumping Iron, too, because my buddy is obsessed with bodybuilding at the moment. It's about Phil Heath and the New Age bodybuilders. Yeah. You know, Pumping Iron was with Arnold. Pumping Iron with Arnold and back in the late 70s. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so crazy, though, because Phil Heath was, like, this DU basketball player, uh-huh. like a backup point guard, and now he's, like, six or seven-time Mr. Universe or eight-time, something like that. It's, it's pretty like, amazing that you would it's insane. go into that uh, uh, after 
being a backup point guard. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? But he's still, like, he goes, they had uh, scenes in Pumping Iron 2 where he was at Pepsi Center, like, on the practice court shooting threes and stuff like that. Like, he'll go down there and hang out. But if you're if you're working out like that, I mean, I, I do a lot of, like, a chest exercises and core work. Yeah, his, at least doing his it now. shooting form is a little goofy. I was going to say, <laughs> how can you get your arms up that big? Because, I, I, I mean, I don't... I do it about three times a week, and I can't get my arms up that high. Yeah, because you—you, you, I don't know if you see me shoot, but I mean, yeah, I my, saw you shoot once. It was, it was pretty bad. It was like Moutier in the paint. Yeah, you it faded was, away for no reason. Was, I think you airballed bad. it. Oh man! And I was a point guard in junior high school, and I'm letting it's your down. favorite story. I'm, I'm letting down all the. That was thir- when the Nuggets were trying on the uh, the navy blues for the throwback game for ninety three ninety four. Remember yeah, they were remember upstairs that. taking pictures of the photo shoot. And Conley was dis- Chandler might have seen you airball that. May have Conley was disgusted with me as I remember. Everyone was. You and let he, Denver stiffs down. And he does that left handed reverse layup thing. That, yeah. But um, yeah, I I I, I don't I'm, anyway. Uh, Pumping Iron 2. I didn't know they had made a sequel. I'm trying to think of something else that we were talking about shooting. Oh, yeah. Uh, another thing I might be doing very soon is uh, I might be joining our, our good friend, Combat Chuck, to play some pickup hoops down at Highlands Ranch. Oh, really? He's, yeah, he uh, came to Sift Night Out. He was bugging me about it a while ago, and I was just in the middle of like moving and stuff, and now that I'm kind of settled in, uh, as well as I've lost like 40 pounds. Yes, so I'll be, uh, yes you have. Looking good. I'll be pretty excited to uh, test out. It was funny. We were at the gym the other day, a couple weeks ago, and I think the last time I tried to touch the rim, it was pretty embarrassing. I didn't get very close to it. And then this last time, I was, like, grazing the bottom of the rim. So I'm like, man, if I get, like, a little bit stronger in the leg area, I'm going to fucking dunk at some point in time. Or, I'm or probably break my back trying. Or if you lose 30 more pounds, you could be like Zach Levine. Um. Yes, exactly. I'll be doing the around-the-world dunks. It's going to be awesome. Um, but I remember, like, watching, okay, so I want to... I wanted, I could dunk in high school, like yeah. a, the girls' ball, the smaller ball. I couldn't really, can't really palm a ball. So I could dunk like dodge balls, and I could dunk like a smaller basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, remember Chauncey, like when he played for the Nuggets, the yeah. second go around, and he had that dunk. Was it in Minnesota? In Minnesota. And like the team went nuts, and it's like it was so hard for him to dunk. Yeah. And he was what 32 at the time. Yeah, 32. Or 31 or 32, and he was like still in phenomenal shape. Yep. And it was hard for him. It was fun. It was. I'm never gonna be able to do this. No, I'm gonna try. You are 30. What 33 now? 34. 34. I'm, I mean, I'm. I'm not even like a young 34. I'm into my 34. I remember when Nate turned 30? I was well into my 30s by then. No, <laughs> those, so. are the, those are the good old days. <laughs> um, so man, that well, I couldn't listen. I always equate it to drinking because that's always the line to me that you know that you're older. Because as soon as you, like, go out for a night of drinking and you go pretty hard and then it takes you a week to recover, yeah, that's when you know you've kind of crossed the line from, like, youthful, you know, youthful exuberance and night out to, oh, God, why did I do this? <laughs> yeah. Well, I should stop doing this I can't myself. function at work. <laughs> uh, people hate me. I smell like alcohol. I hate myself. I hate got, myself. We call it, uh, we call it PADS, <laughs> post-alcohol depression syndrome. Oh, God. It's totally true. <laughs> i got true. a big case of the PADS going. I feel worthless and everything. Everyone hates me. This last weekend, I, I, I went out and um, had, a, had a date. And oh, shit. We went to, we went to North Italia. Dude, I've heard phenomenal things about it's North Italia. Really, really good. And it was on Saturday, and 
of course, I'm having a good time, and you know, we had to start out with some beer, and then he says, "Well, why don't we have some wine?" Oh boy, <sighs> you never want to mix wine when you're drinking beers. Yeah, we, then we went to Hamburger Mary's and had more beer, and I got home. I took an Uber home, and the next morning, Sunday morning, I was laying there thinking, "My God." <laughs> What is wrong with me? I don't want to move. And it was like, it wasn't even like sick. It was like tired. Like I had just run a marathon kind of feeling. It's like, I don't want to move. I feel like someone ran me over with a truck. See, I feel like uh, here's the difference between straight people and gay people. Yeah. First dates. Usually don't involve drinking so much. <laughs> yeah, but the straight people, it's not very fun. It's like a job interview kind of. You have like one drink if you're lucky, you know. Maybe two if you're feeling dicey. Well, then you guys, oh, you guys just went just, out and had, like, like fun. Like, we <laughs> actually went, yeah, North Italian. Hey, talking about restaurants, I think you would like that, personally. Yeah, I've heard good things from a couple different people. I've been planning uh, on going there. If you check my Instagram, we do. I do have a photo of it. Okay. Uh, I had bolognese. Oh, yeah, I like me some bolognese. Um, my buddy's girlfriend was just in town, and uh, she made us a huge batch of bolognese, and it was amazing. Oh, it's nothing like it. If it's done well... If, it's, if bolognese is done well, and there's lots of ways you can mess it up, if it's done well, it's, there's nothing like it. And my friend had, like, this, this really nice uh, single pizza that was just amazing. So I, I, just, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, it's in Cherry Creek on 1st and Clayton. Everything's on 1st Street in Cherry Creek. <laughs> it's this like the nexus of the universe. This is true. It's like candy corner to the Cherry Cricket. Do you have to walk down the stairs to get to it? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. There's one restaurant that seems like it changes every few years. So you have to walk down like 10 Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. What is that called? It changes all the time. It does, know. yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it's, uh, yeah, the, the North Italia, and if you want to do that, or and I would also try, if you're going to look for Italian food, Barolo, Barolo Grill on uh, 6th and Milwaukee. We're always looking for sponsors, too, if any of you guys <laughs> yes, if you want to do that. <laughs> Don uh, Gaudini, who follows us on Twitter, uh, she... Um, delivers wine. She works in the wine business, and she sends a lot of wine to Berlolo. She says they're the best Italian restaurant in Denver, and I'm inclined to ber- to believe her. So you like Italian food? Yeah, and I like wine too. All right. <laughs> okay, well, good. that's gonna. No, wrap you get the restaurant recommendations of uh, CSG out of the way. I'm giving you guys some uh, some terrible nuggets, takes some uh, decent TV movie talk, some yeah. excellent dating advice. Drink on your dates. Makes it more fun. Jeez. <laughs> Maybe the lesson is don't drink on your dates. Well, Either don't, way. Don't drink on your dates if you're 38 years old. Okay, how about that? <laughs> Either way. It all works. All right, man. You got anything else, Jeff? Oh, that's it. Let's get out of here. Jake Sports and Spirits. Come visit them. 3800 Walnut Street. See you guys next week. Bye.